Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. So we've been reading the guidelines in the Shulchan Aruch, authoritative code of Jewish law from the 1500s about how to say the Shema, the, the, the ritual enactment, I would say, the physical enactment of the Shema. It is the custom to say the first verse aloud in order to awaken kavana, stimulate kavana, special intention for that verse. And I'm going to read the next line too. It is customary for people to put their hand on their face when you read the first verse so that you don't um, look at anything else that might distract you. So I think for most of us, um, our most useful and used sensory sense is vision. I think that's why when you take meditation classes at a certain point, you're supposed to close your eyes because it's harder to meditate with your eyes open because there's so many distractions because we're in general so driven by our, our vision. So to reduce the possibility of distractions, you're supposed to cover your eyes. And notice people have all sorts of minhagim. It's supposed to be three letters, like uh, three fingers, like the letter Shin. None of that is in the Shulchan Aruch. Okay. So, um, What's interesting is technically the Shema is three paragraphs, right? And if you look at the first paragraph in Deuteronomy, the Havta goes on to, to uh, sorry, Shema, the first line goes on to the Havta without any break. And if we just consider it in Pshat, there's no real the meaning, the simple meaning in context. There's no real distinction between Shema and Ve'ahavta, right? The passage in Deuteronomy just is Moses saying, hey, listen up, Israel. Hashem is our deity, only Hashem, okay? And therefore, you must cleave to Hashem, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, et cetera, et cetera. It all flows logically. There's no break between Shema and Ve'ahavta. By the way, if you looked in a Torah text where they have little breaks in the text, you know, called Parshiot, little gaps. There's no gap there. Okay. However, de facto, when we say the Shema, we think of Shema as separate from Vehavta. If someone <coughs> were walking into shul and they said to you, what are we up to? And we were in the middle of the first paragraph and it was someone who knew you know, different parts of the service, and you wanted to answer the question and you wanted to tell them what we're up to, you might say we're in the Vehavta, right? Mm -hmm. That would be the common parlance. So that's evidence of the fact that we think of Vehavta also as somehow separate from the line which precedes it in Deuteronomy, meaning the way we enact the Shema physically by saying the first line aloud, and with extra kavanah and covering our eyes has the impact on us. The result of, for most of us, we think of Shema, the opening line, isn't actually, I'm going to put it in air quotes, part of the first paragraph. It is actually the preamble to the first paragraph. 
right? I just want to point out in Sefer Tvarim and Deuteronomy, it's just one paragraph. There's no distinction made. But the way we, Davin Shema, makes a distinction, it's understandable why, because we see the first line as being, you know, again, in, in air quotes, the watchword of our faith, the last thing you're supposed to say before you die, the most important uh, catechism of Judaism, et cetera, et cetera. So we do special things to enhance it. You need special kavanah, which we're going to read more about the special kavanah later on. You say it aloud to awaken your kavanah. You cover your eyes to minimize distractions. Again, for what purpose? To enhance your kavanah. So the way we enact Shema, the first line is separated off and is different from Vehafta. Of course, it's also actually separated off because you then add another line, Baruch Shem Kvod Ba'ed, which we'll add, we'll talk about in a few moments. Okay, pause. Any question or comment about that? Larry said he would have something to say about the first line being said aloud. He promised me this. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Now I'm calling you out. I don't remember. <laughs> That's funny because you said, I have a lot to say about that. What you told me last week. I have a lot to say about that. Okay. It'll come back to you. Okay. Anyone else thoughts, questions, comments about that, about first line, how we say it, why it's separate. It kind of makes sense, right? So I just want to point out that the way we, we say the Shema, um, I, by the way, I can't see all of you because of screen share. I can't see all of you at once. So yeah. if you no no hand raising, if you want to interrupt, then you just have to interrupt. Okay. okay. So, um, I, okay. Yeah. I, Hold on a second. Right. So questions, comments about yeah. how this issue of how we enact or, or <clears throat> daven the first line of Shema, which makes it somehow separate from Vehafta. Ilana. Yeah, um, this is more of a question than a comment, and forgive me if this is something okay. you've already com- uh, already discussed in an earlier class. So I'm looking at the word echad, and yes. you just you just said something that I'm embarrassed to say I never realized. Um, the Lord alone, right? I always yes. thought echad literally one. Yeah. Um, so I wonder. I'm not sure. Right. Yes. Ilana, I'm not sure if we discussed this. I'm not sure if we took two weeks to discuss this. Or no, no, I mean the word echad. We, yes, I understand. And I'm okay. telling you that we discussed it at great length. It, and okay. we talked about what is the meaning of it. You know, it, it could mean God is one as opposed yeah, okay, to. Yeah, okay, okay, fine. Uh, and then I guess. It could mean God is one as opposed to duality. It could mean God is one as opposed to the Trinity. Okay. It could mean God alone, we cleave to God alone. So there are a number of possible meanings that the echad can have. Yes. Okay, yeah. Thank you very much for, you know, bringing, sure. yeah. as I said, I missed it. And so- I think in JP, I think in JPS, I'm not sure if someone has it handy. I think in our yeah. JPS, uh, new JPS translation, the Chumash, I think it's God alone, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm looking at Etz Chaim, which has yep. a huge comment about the different significances of the word. Yes. And then I just yep. wanted to, to also yeah, comment so you, yes. uh-huh. by way of separation, um, the, the tradition of saying Echad with the strong... We'll get to God. that. Yes, we're going to get to that. Of what okay. We're going to get to that in a few moments in the Shulchan Aruch about why we do that. Okay. Yeah, good. You're anticipating. Bernie... <laughs> I saw Bernie's hand. Yeah, I, I brought it up at the beginning. I know this is out of place about the kissing the tzitzit during the third paragraph. You said there are a lot of minchag, and you will talk about it later. Yes. I, 
I just wanted to remind you, I'm interested in I, that. We're go- you know what? We will do it. We're going in order, and the Shulchan Aruch goes in order. So first line before we get to the third paragraph, I promise. Sorry. You might or, okay. you might, or might not get to it today. No, okay. it doesn't matter. Other just eventually, I hope I'll be we around. We will. Yeah. We're going to. We're going to. I promise. Okay. I promise, Thanks. God willing. I promise, Blee Neder, as <laughs> we say. Um, other, other questions, comments about this? First line? First line? All right, let's go on. Sarich you're supposed to say right of echad for how long how long should that chet be so that in I think this means in your mind you are thinking that Hashem is king in heavens and earth which uh, I guess we would say that that's how they said it back then in 15 something or other we would probably say in contemporary English in the entire universe, okay? Or or the physical realm and the spiritual realm, however you want us to understand that. So echad, and then there's a little thing that uh, the chet in a Hebrew script, like in a Torah, the line across the top of the chet has a little bump on the top of it, a little triangular bump on the top of it, right? And the chet, the little bump, which points up upward in the, middle top stroke of the chet points up. I think that's its point about it's supposed to make you think of heavens. Okay. I think what's the bump mean? I think that's what they're referring to. And Ilana, v'yarich bedalet shel echad. That's why you hear people daven, they say echad, right? Shiur, how long should your dalet be? Shiachshov shakadurchu yachid ba'olamo umoshel that you should think that God is the sole ruler and rules the four directions of the universe. It should not be longer than that. You should not say, right? Because it doesn't take that long to think of God is God in all directions. There is a minhag to move your head in all four directions, when you say this, has anyone ever seen that minhag? I have never seen that minhag in my life, which just goes to show just because it says it in the Shulchan Aruch doesn't necessarily mean that people do that. So I've never seen this. Okay. I've gone to yeshiva minions and Orthodox minions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I don't know, maybe there's still people who have the minhag who move their head in all four directions while there's Dalat of Echad, but I have never seen that. Larry? Avi, I want to ask a question. Oh, too. Terry? Yeah. Right, so, so, wait, Larry, ahead. Larry, then Terry. Larry, okay. yeah. uh, I'll be very brief. So first of all, I always find it peculiar that you're supposed to hold the Dalid, but in fact, in terms of phonetics, you cannot hold a Dalid. Correct. The D. Correct. So, and if you see, mostly, and what people then are actually saying are Echad, right? Echad. Right. Okay. Right. I, I do remember um, what I think I was going to say briefly about the Shema. Uh, two things very briefly. One is I myself follow the practice of separating each word and I actually do that by touching my tongue to my lip. And the second thing sorry about this. The, the second thing is I've noticed that some people put the word Shema and Yisrael together very rapidly. We're going to get to, yep. You're anticipating okay. the Shulchan Aruch. We're going to get to it Thank in a few you. moments. Today. Today. Terry. 
So Avi, if one was to turn one's head in those directions, what directions are we actually doing it? Because if I'm thinking about what you do with the palm fronds, uh, you know, it's the, how many the how many directions are the palm fronds? Well, six. That's six. Right. So in the when it comes to the lulav, we say the universe has six directions. When we say Hashem is every, Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is everywhere. Right. Right. So you know, I don't know, and I I guess one could look at commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch to see to see. I didn't look at any commentators to see like how is this done and. You know, I don't know. I, I didn't dwell on it. I didn't want, I didn't spend a lot of time with it because I saw this as like, oh, I don't know people who do this minhag and I'm not going to do this minhag. So I'm just going to move on. So um, I don't know. There are a couple of hands up. Just shout it out. Oh, Meyer. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I've been studying brachot sort of to get into this a little bit further. And I, and I can't find exactly the space where it's at. But I remember that when they say the chet, you don't, shouldn't say too long, but the dal is the thing you should emphasize. I think it's interesting that Shulchan Aruch that um, the Rev. Caro suggests that we should be extending the Chet and the Dalit. But yes, anyway. remember the Talmud is the deep background from a thousand plus years before of the Halakha and the Shulchan Aruch. We don't make Halakha by the Talmud, period, end of story. Okay, so all law codes post-Talmudic, they'll very often look to laws in the Talmud, but in general, in general, in terms of contemporary Jewish practice, people don't say, we look in the Talmud to know what to do, right? The Talmud is, is the background upon which the halakha is founded, but halakha evolves beyond that. And part of that is because lots of things in the Talmud are the opinion of a minority or one individual, or lots of things in the Talmud are not actually settled. So um, law codes will very often refer back to what the Talmud says but the Tal- what the Talmud says is, is, I guess I would say, is not necessarily determinative of what the halakha is. I guess I would put it that way. Avi, can I ask another question about the pronunciation? Uh-huh. Is it possible that back then, Dalit was pronounced differently so that there was a, um, a possibility of somehow extending it without it becoming this other, you know, kind of, verb or you know or vowel or whatever it was i don't know i can't answer that for you okay don't know so so many things are possibilities of how they spoke back then larry no i didn't i wasn't raising my hand old hand okay that's fine so yadgish bedalit shalote ekeresh you got dalit not like a resh now dalit is not anything like a resh but remember how is the dalit written anyone remember how it's written in a torah larger Bigger. Okay. The shin is larger. The dalit is larger. One of the reasons that's given is to make sure that you, you know that it's a dalit and not a resh. And because what, what is it if the word is a resh? What's the word? Acher. Acher. God is other, right? And that would be, that's not what the intent of the Shema is. Okay. When you're saying your het, you should not minimize the het, right? Because they didn't say ha, they said ha, right? And Aleph, you shouldn't make it longer than it's supposed to be. Uh, I don't know why I read that. Let's skip that. Um, we're, I'm going to skip down. Avi, did you say that the shin is larger? Isn't it the ayin? I'm sorry, the ayin. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Aid, um, right? Yes, aid. Ayin and dalit. Thank you. Okay. 
Achar Pasuk Rishon, Tzarich Lomar. Who knows what those Hebrew letters stand for? What is that acronym? Come on, you can guess. What was the acronym again? Bashkamalu. It's right there, top yes. line. You see, uh, you see line 13? Baruch Shmo. Baruch Kivod. Yeah. Baruch Shem Kivod Like, oh, what a weird acronym. It's just Baruch Shem Kivod Machutol So after the first line, after the technically, let's say, verse, right? Because it's a verse from the Torah, Pasuk. After the first verse, one says, Baruch Shem Kivod Machutol How? Bichashai, which Verit, of course, will tell us in modern Israeli means something like, Secretly, secretly or surreptitiously, stopped. right? Okay. But in context, it means in an, in an undertone. Of course, why do we say it in an undertone? Because it is not originally part of Deuteronomy. Oh and we spoke God. at some length about what is the origin of the line, right? We talked about that a couple of months ago. Sarich lav ma'at. You got to pause briefly. Bain le'olam va'ed. va'ed. Le... Ve'ahavta. So you have to pause briefly after and Ve'ahavta. Why? Kedei lahafsik bein kabalat ol kabalat machut shamayim l'sha'ar mitzvot. So the first line of the Shema is understood to be accepting the yoke of heaven, literally in general, which means accepting God's sovereignty. So when do we accept God's sovereignty? When are we making the Jewish statement, I accept Yudke Vavke alone as our deity, that is actually in just the first line. Ve'ahavta, says the Shulchan Aruch, is about another matter. It's about the mitzvot, accepting the mitzvot, right? Because what does it say? All the words that God said, have them in your mind and teach them to your children and put Put them on your doorposts and put them on your head and on your arms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So all of that is about God's words or mitzvot, right? So here, Shulchan Aruch is helping us understand conceptually the difference between Shema and the rest of the paragraph. Okay, Shema is general commitment to God's sovereignty in its totality. Ve'ahavta is commitment to God's words, the devarim, or what we would say in, in our common language, the mitzvot, okay? So because the first line is about God's sovereignty in general, and the rest of the haft is about the mitzvot, we pause slightly. Everyone with me on that? Now we look at the smaller font. And remember we said the lar- in Sepharia, the large font is by the original author of the Shulchan Aruch, um, uh, uh, um, Rabbi Yosef Karo, who is a Sephardi authority. And when it reached Ashkenazi lands, Rabbi Moshe Israelis, the Ramah in Poland, put comments into the Shulchan Aruch um, about anything he wanted to add where Ashkenazi practice was different or he thought the Shulchan Aruch left something out. It was a supplement. In technical English, they call it a gloss, G-L-O-S-S, which is a fancy academic word for comment, I think. In a traditional printed Shulchan Aruch, it's, they're written in Rashi script as opposed to square script, 
That's how you know which is which. In Safari, they just put it in a smaller font. So haga, gloss, which means comment or note. V'yesh lahafsik bipasuk rishon bein Yisrael lahashem uvein Eloheinu lahashem hasheni kedei sheyeheni shma so that it sounds like shma Yisrael. Listen, Israel. Ki Hashem shehu Eloheinu, God, Yudke Vavke, who is our deity, who Hashem Echad. And parentheses, it says, Rokeach, he's quoting the uh, earlier law code who said, right? So that means you are supposed to say, Larry, I think you raised this. You're supposed to say, Shema Israel, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. So because Yosef Karo mentioned in his comment where you're supposed to pause, right? He says, after you pause briefly before because it's another topic. That's why the Ramah is inserting here his comment about, oh, in addition to that, there are other little pauses you're supposed to make. Lafsik, right? Right, little pauses. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. So you should not say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, or even worse, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, or some other pauses, right? And this makes sense, right? And probably most of us do this intuitively, right? Where you go, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, because it means, hey, listen up, Jews. Hashem is our deity, or Hashem who is our deity, Hashem is one, or Hashem alone, however you translate that. Everyone with me on that? Does that, that make sense? Okay. V'yesh, and in addition, V'yesh lafsik ma'at, you should pause a little bit, Bein echad lebaruch, meaning Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elkeinu, Hashem echad, pause a little before Baruch Shem Ki ikar kibul malchut shamayim, because the essence or the main part of accepting the yoke of heaven in general, who pasuk rishon, and he's quoting a different law code, the Abu Draham. Okay? So the essence of accepting all malchut God's sovereignty is not in Baruch Shem Kvod Malchut it's rather in the first line of the Shema. So you say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Baruch Shem Kvod Malchut Right, so this tells us where the pauses are. And again, we spoke at length when we talked about, uh, you know, a couple of months ago about. Uh, so anyone who wants to can go back and listen to those; they're recorded and on the website about why we add the line Baruch Shem which is not in the Torah, or why reasons for why we say it in an undertone, etc. So I refer you back to those um, sessions. Any question about? Um, yeah how th- these things about how we do them. Marshall? Yeah, actually two things, Avi. If you take a look at the the trope signs in the Siddur itself, the Shema has yeah. a Tidba after it, uh, under it, which is a disjunctive trope. And then we have the uh, Israel has a Etnachka, so it's sort of a pause, number one. Right. So what Marshall was saying is the tropes view the pauses also. Yeah, and if you look right. at just their look at their translation, it has here then uh-huh. a comma O Israel. Uh-huh. So as if the word O Israel is like evocative, number one. Uh-huh. 
Number two, yes. and I just happened to pull out a book, which was Notes to the New Translation of the, of the Torah. Yeah. It makes reference to uh, the, the prophet Zechariah 14.9 about the word echad. And here why they translated it as alone. Yeah. It says, on that day, the Lord shall be echad. The word echad means the only one alone. Mm-hmm. And he comments right. further. So in other words, yeah, what, what Marshall is, uh, I'm going to, if I may translate that, Marshall, what Marshall is saying is in the notes to the new JPS translation, and the notes are published as a separate volume, and they're sort of the discussions, they're a record of some of the discussions about why they did certain things in the translation the way they did. What they're saying is because in Zechariah, Hashem Echad, clearly seems to mean at that day, at the end of time, in the Mashiach site, Hashem alone will be recognized by all of humanity as a deity. That is the basis for understanding Echad in Deuteronomy, in our Shema, as alone. So they're, they're saying, we are not giving a creative nouveau transla- understanding in our translation of Hashem alone, we are actually basing that on what Hashem Echad means in the prophet Zechariah in the Bible. That's Correct. what they're saying in their, in their notes. Yes. Thank you. That's it. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Can I just ask a question about what Marshall's asking? Sure. Because there, but it, it, it makes sense in terms of there being a Merchat Tivcha under the Adonai Eloheinu, and then a Merchat and a Sof Pasuk, but there's a Pasek between the, the second uh, Hashem or Adonai and the Echad. Can you explain that Pasek? Uh, I'm gonna. I don't know. I'm gonna skip over that question for now and do some research. Okay, because it's a, you know, now you're asking deep trope, and a lot of people on in our class have no idea what you're talking about. So I'll take a look at it and then I'll get back to you. Okay. Um, other questions about this? Let's go on. Try to do another one or two quick things. Sarich, you have heard that you've all heard your rabbis doing this. Sarich lahatiz zayin shall tiz kiru. Vered, what's lahatiz in like modern? Like to sprinkle, to, to spread, you know, like let's say I have some water in my hand and I kind of sprinkle it. To spritz, and to that's spritz, what people do. Exactly. You have to spritz it out. Lamantiz yes. kiru. Um, so, so why? Because what might a Zion get confused with? What other, what Larry, our resident linguist, perhaps would refer to as a sibilant? Okay, what are what are the other sibilants? It could Aleph. be a su. Aleph. It, it could be tishkuru or tishkuru. Oh, oh. oh right. Yeah. Tishkuru would mean lie, or oh sorry, tishakru would be to lie. Tishkuru would be to be drunk, so that you will be drunk. Or tishkuru uh, means that you would do something for reward. It has to do with money, rental. Okay, so it has to be very clear that. You're not mixing up your sibilants. You're not saying tishkaru or tiskaru. You're saying tizkaru. And that's why you'll hear people when they say their shema say tizkaru. It doesn't have to be long, but it has to be clear that it's a Zion, right? So for those who've wondered why you hear rabbis doing that in shul, that's why. Okay. Um, and also, because it Again, same thing. It could be uschartem or ushartem. So uschartem. You don't usually generally hear that. 
Yadgish Dalit shall Shma Yisrael, Yadgish Yud shall Shma Yisrael, Shaloti Bala, so that it doesn't get swallowed. Because otherwise it might sound like Shma Yisrael, Shma Yisrael. So it's Shma Yisrael. Israel. And also the Yud of Vehayu. So it won't shout, sound like Vehau. Okay? This is now about correct enunciation. You'll need to make a space, line 19, between Vichara Af Hashem Bachem. Remember that line in the second paragraph of Shema that God will be angry at you if you don't keep the mitzvot? Because what is it very easy for Vichara Af to sound like? Vicharaf, right? Because they end, it ends in an ah, uh, begins on an ah. You're supposed to say Vichara Af Hashem Bachem instead of Vicharaf Hashem Bachem. Anyone get that? And similarly, the general principle, tzarichli ten revach, you have to make a little space, bein teva shetchilato, kesof teva shelofaneha. You have to make a little space between a word which starts with the first letter that the last word ends with. Kigon bechol levavcha. Right? You don't say bechol levavcha. You say bechol levavcha, meaning... You have to enunciate every letter of the Shema clearly. Al levavchem, right? Don't say al levavchem. Al levavchem, bechol levavchem, esev besadcha, vavaratem mehira. Not vavaratem mehira. Vavaratem mehira. There's two mems there. Say each one separately. Hakanaf petil etchem meeretz. All right. Also. Every olive after a mem, you got to pause. So you hear that olive. Not vili maritem otam. Vili maritem otam. Not ukshartem otam. Ukshartem otam. Not uritem moto. Uritem oto. Everyone with me on that? Okay. And it says, by the way, even in Psuke de Zimra and in your <clears throat> Amida, you should enunciate clearly 24 paragraph 24 this is interesting you are supposed to read the shema with trope do we read the shema with trope by the way the first paragraph we frequently do, right? If we read it aloud, okay Haga, the note by Ramah, the Ashkenazi authority. Avalo nahagu kein bimidinot elu. But that is not the custom in these lands, meaning Ashkenaz. Meaning, Ashkenaz, in his time, Ashkenazim do not have the practice to read the Shema with the trope. Umikol makom, but at any rate, or that could mean, mikomakom could mean at any rate, or it could mean in any place. Hamedaktikim machmirim bekach. Those who are exacting in fulfilling mitzvot are strict about this, meaning they say their shema with the ta'amim. Does anyone, by the way, nowadays know what communities universally say the shema with ta'amim, with the trope? Mizrahim, right? Judeo-Arabic, Moroccan shul, North African shul, right? Uh, there are plenty of them in the Pico-Robertson area. They say the whole Shema aloud, because they say most of the davening aloud, except for the Amidah, 
the Chazan says everything aloud and everyone says it along with the Chazan and the whole three paragraphs is all done with trope. Okay? So you may have heard the mean hog of doing the Shema with trope. You say, I do it without trope. So the answer is, yeah. He's saying Ashkenazim in our lands, we, we don't do it with trope. You don't have to do that. You know, those who are exacting about this will do it with trope. But this is the origin, I believe, of our minhag, of saying the first line of the Shema with the trope. Um, I guess I'm going to call time here because we're five minutes over. Uh, And we will pick up here the week after Hanukkah. Next week, I'll try to do some Hanukkah things. Any closing question or comment that someone has to get in with anything we've done so far? All right, someone remember that we ended with, because I'm not sure the same page is going to still be open two weeks from now. Um, <clears throat> someone remember, please, that we ended with um, uh, the trope question. Someone put something in the chat. Oh, it's just a thank you. Okay. Uh, everyone have a good day. Be Torah, do mitzvot. Hanukkah's Thursday night. Have a chag urim sameach. And God willing, we'll meet again next Tuesday. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.